Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the video cast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. And on today's episode, we have a fellow Canadian. I'm actually from Vancouver, BC, Canada, and a guest is actually from Ontario, Canada. And currently, I'm not in Canada, and neither is she. <laughs> I'm in Medellin, <laughs> Colombia, and a guest is actually in uh, Moscow, in Russia. And just a quick side note, we've actually recorded over 230 episodes as of, as of this recording. And Becky is actually a first guest ever who's uh, in Russia, which is the biggest country in the world. So pretty amazing that we've never had a Russian guest on the show so far. Um, so Becky has a very interesting backstory. Uh, she's actually half uh, Canadian, half Japanese. She taught English over there in Japan, and now she's uh, teaching and working over there in Russia. And uh, she does a lot of solo female travel. And uh, we're going to be finding out about her herself, her travels, her teaching and working abroad experience. Um, solo female travel and much more. Uh, so Becky, um, why don't we get to know you a little bit better if you want to share a little bit more about yourself? Uh, okay. Uh, well, uh, I have been living abroad now for almost seven years. Um, I am uh, addicted to travel. Uh, if I could, I would travel 24-7, but since I am like most people, I can't. Uh, so I do the next best thing. Uh, I, I live abroad uh, and uh, yeah, or work abroad, I should say, and uh, travel whenever I can. Awesome. So I want to hear a little bit of the origin story. So uh, tell us about what got you first interested in travel. Uh, was it a family trip? Was it a solo trip? Was it, a, uh, you know, the working trip? Tell us a little bit about the origin story of how you caught the travel bug. Okay. Uh, well, I always loved traveling, though, but I realized I caught the travel bug when uh, I was doing my master's degree uh, and I had to go to England uh, to do some research because I needed uh, to look at some unpublished uh, primary sources. And so, of course, I made a vacation out of it. And, uh, and that trip uh, to London was just epic. It completely changed my life. And it was then that I realized that I had caught the travel bug. Uh, so that, that's where it all began. Awesome. Uh, you know, it all begins somewhere. For me, it was actually uh, in uh, Europe. I actually went to London, England for the first time as a backpacker in my 20s. I backpacked around Europe. And then I actually went to Japan, where your ethnicity, uh, part, partial ethnicity is from. I taught English in uh, Tokyo, Japan uh, with Nova. And then I worked with Osaka. And then I traveled Asia. Then I studied in I, Australia. I, and, then, I, I, and now I'm in I, South America. So, yeah. The travel bug has hit me as well. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious to know about your uh, teaching time in Japan. So I mentioned I did that as well. I only did it for one year with uh, Nova and Berlitz, and I loved it. I loved Japan, loved the culture, loved the uniqueness and kind of the diversity. And uh, it's a very special country in my heart. Uh, even on, on my social media, you'll see uh, Tokyo Riki is my uh, slogan. A lot of people will be like, what? You look Indian. You don't look Japanese. And I'm like, no, no, no. I actually lived in Tokyo and I created my, um, you know, my email address was uh, tokyoriki at hotmail.com and now it's tokyoriki at gmail.com and you'll see facebook.com slash tokyoriki and across the board is all tokyoriki. So big advocate of uh, travel to Japan. So I'm interested in your journey to Japan. You obviously uh, uh, have the Japanese ethnicity, and now uh, you actually lived there, I think, for six years or so. So tell us a little bit about your experiences living and working and uh, being in Japan. Okay. Well, I lived in a really nice medium-sized city. Uh, you probably haven't heard of it. It's called Kurashiki. It's in Okayama Prefecture. So it's pretty much sandwiched between Kobe and Hiroshima. Uh, 
so, uh, so I lived there my entire time in Japan, a little over five and a half years. And uh, I worked for a variety of different uh, companies. Uh, let's see, I started off uh, teaching at a, at a children's after school school sort of thing. Um, I did that for a year. And then I worked at Nova uh, for a little over two years. Um, so that was mostly adults, but I also got to teach kids. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and I got to see more of Japan uh, for free. I say for free because a work trip to me is free travel. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so I got to see a lot of uh, Shikoku while I was there. Uh, then after that, I worked for a little over a year teaching as, a, as an ALT, an assistant language teacher uh, at a middle school um in the in the countryside and uh then after that i uh, i worked at an international preschool and that was the most fun ever <laughs> um well because i adore three-year-olds <laughs> anyway uh yeah so uh yeah a, a big variety of students of all ages and levels and uh and i saw as much of japan as uh, as i possibly could <laughs> So I'm curious to know, how was it like? Uh, because you have a Japanese ethnicity. Um, tell us about how did you feel? Did you feel like a local or a gaijin? And for those of you who don't know, gaijin is kind of the word like gringo, uh, like a foreigner. Uh, so tell us about uh, how did you integrate and how did you fit in? Uh, you know what, that's a very, uh, that's a very good question and a complex one just because of my situation. Uh, so, uh, so, so my mother's side is Japanese and I was raised primarily by my Japanese side of the family. Uh, so when I went to Japan, a lot of pretty much everything was very comfortable and familiar, even though I hadn't experienced them yet. It's kind of, um, uh, it's, it's kind of hard to explain uh, if that makes any sense. Um, but the thing is, though, is that the mentality in Japan is that either you're Japanese or you're not. Um, so uh, in Japan, to be considered Japanese, you both your parents are Japanese and you were born and raised in Japan. Uh, so even my mother, who is full Japanese, uh, they do not consider her to be Japanese. Uh, they consider her to be, you know, um, a, a foreigner, an outsider. Um, so, so, so they were always surprised when they would realize that I would know something that other uh, foreigners uh, uh, do not or understand things about the culture and the mentality. They, were, they would always be surprised and they would ask me, you know, uh, how do you know that? Why do you know that? Or why do you think that? And I would have to say, because I am Japanese, you know, they... <laughs> <laughs> they, they don't realize that like well I was raised by a Japanese family and yeah so so in that sense they're they're still living about 200 years uh, behind <laughs> but uh, so in that sense it was difficult uh, but uh, in other ways it was very easy because uh, it's, uh, it's it's Japan is where you know the Japan is the origins of my heart and soul, and uh, and it, and and despite the discrimination and the issues there about uh, my heritage and background, it's actually in a lot of ways Japan is where I feel most comfortable. Very interesting, and you know, thanks for sharing that side of yourself. Uh, you know, I'll kind of share a little bit of my story as well. I'm actually Indian, but born in Canada, and when I went to India, I also didn't feel like I fit in uh, because obviously I'm Indian, like by looks. But then uh, when I was there, I, I would speak with a Canadian accent. I would wear, you know, like a foreign dress and I would kind of act differently than the locals. And I didn't speak the local language uh, fluently. So I definitely felt um, a little bit uh, like a fish out of water there. And even though I tried to speak the language and, uh, 
you know, try to get the local prices for everything. It was definitely a hard uh, learning curve, uh, but at the same time, it is part of my heart and soul. So I love uh, India. And, uh, you know, I, I think as, as, as kind of like you and me who are, um, you know, either second or third generation, we kind of feel like we're part of many cultures are, you know, like Canada, for example, or like Japan in your case, India in my case, but also the world because we have traveled a lot and we are uh, working, tra traveling and living in different countries and continents globally. So I don't know well, if you well, feel that as well. Well, well, what happened to me a lot in Japan was that I would talk to someone on the phone, of course, in Japanese, and then they would see me in person. And I kid you not, they would look at me in shock and, and they actually said, oh, I thought you were Japanese because because when I speak Japanese and they hear me on the phone, they, you know, they thought I was uh, a local. Um, but then uh, I would say, well, I am Japanese. I don't have a Japanese passport, but I am Japanese. You know, that they, they don't realize. Yeah, because uh, the first language I spoke as a child was, was Japanese and not English. Uh, so, so, yeah. And, um, and I've actually had people uh, actually say right to me, you know, when I would start speaking Japanese to them, they would go, oh, like, regular or normal Japanese and and they were shocked they couldn't understand why yeah they couldn't understand why you know they, they would say hey no accent I'm like oh yeah. gosh here we go again <laughs> so you know you left Japan and you made your way over to Moscow in Russia and uh, tell us a little bit about that journey uh, what made you choose Russia because that's quite obvious why you might have chose Japan because of your ethnic roots mm -hmm. but Russia what is the time there Okay, well, uh, well, to be brutally honest, uh, when I was uh, looking for uh, for a job uh, in Europe, uh, I, w I had my heart set on Germany or Hungary. Um, but, uh, but a huge problem, though, was that uh, the vast, vast majority of uh, c companies and schools want their teachers to be EU citizens. And alas, well, I'm Canadian, uh, and uh, in a lot of places they want uh, British English, and a lot of places also wanted you to uh, already be living there. Uh, and I was not in a position to just up and move without uh, a job uh, secured. Uh, another uh, thing too was that the vast majority wouldn't do a Skype interview, uh, which shocked me in this day and age. But anyway, <laughs> uh, anyway, and uh, I came across Russia by pure accident, completely stumbled upon it. Um, and I thought, hey, why not? Uh, this is no longer the USSR. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Moscow, St. Petersburg uh, have been on my bucket list for uh, a long time. Uh, I liked what I saw. Uh, I thought, hey, why not? And now I've been here for a little over a year. <laughs> so uh, tell us about the teaching there. Like, uh, what kind of school are you with? And, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about the experiences working in Moscow. Okay. Uh, well, right now I'm working for uh, uh, for a private school that's kind of like Nova, but uh, Russian version anyway. Uh, uh, so uh, I teach mostly adults uh, who need to uh, to learn or improve their English, and they usually come after work. Um, um, so I generally work afternoons and evenings. Uh, let's see. So I do teach some children, uh, and of course they're adorable because they're children. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So, uh, um, but since I've gotten uh, here, though, I've also learned a lot about IELTS. Uh, so I've been teaching a lot of IELTS. A lot of people here uh, want to uh, either uh, study abroad or uh, or work abroad. 
Um, some just want to Im immigrate and uh, live in Canada or Australia for the rest of their lives. <laughs> um, yeah, so I've been doing a lot of that. And since I came here, I also became an IELTS speaking examiner. And so I got to uh, see a lot more of Russia um, uh, from having to go on uh, IELTS uh, uh, work trips, uh, which is great. I've been to Siberia twice. Um, I've been to uh, a couple other places and actually next weekend, I'm going on an IELTS trip, so yeah, it's it's great. <laughs> and uh, tell us a little bit about life in uh, Russia in terms of uh, the similar kind of question, the integration side of things. Um, I know, um, not from personal experience, but just from hearsay, that uh, most people don't actually speak English, so unless you know the language, it's very hard to communicate with the locals, so I'd love to know a little bit more about uh, living there in terms of day-to-day uh, -day life and uh, you know, doing things like going to a restaurant, going shopping, uh, taking public transport, et cetera. Okay, um, uh, that's very, uh, very good question. Very good to know. Um, yeah, uh, Russia, like Japan, for a long time has been very insular. Uh, so you cannot depend on anyone speaking English. You really cannot. Um, uh, if uh, you happen to find someone who speaks English, they're going to be about my generation or so or younger. Uh, but even then, you still cannot depend on it. So uh, what I would recommend is if you are coming to Russia to live, I highly recommend learning how to read the <laughs> alphabet, <laughs> uh, which is something I should have done. Um, uh, because uh, with uh, Russian, unlike Japanese, okay, uh, with Russian, if you can read it, you can still look up the word in the dictionary and find out what it means. Whereas with Japanese, if you cannot read the kanji, the characters, that's different. Um, so I recommend doing that. Um, the it, uh, at first, uh, getting around Moscow uh, on the subway can be very daunting because there is no English. But within the last few months, um, they started putting announcements on the subway uh, in English, such as the next station is whatever, etc. Uh, and they just did that a few months ago because of the soccer, the FIFA World Cup uh, coming up. But uh, that's the only thing there in English. Uh, so otherwise, yeah, getting around the metro can be daunting. But once you get used to it, it's easy peasy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like anywhere, you know, I'm here in Medellin, Colombia, and at first it was so overwhelming because, like, no one speaks English, or I never want to say no one because uh, there are very few people who speak English, so let's put it that yeah, way. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, let's say it's similar to what you said, younger generation, some older generation who have actually, uh, you know, they, maybe they lived overseas or they're more travel minded or globally minded, but definitely very challenging to travel in South America. And here in Colombia, Medellin, they have a great public transport uh, system. They have uh, metros and they have cable cars and yes. buses. And at first, it's very daunting, but uh, I just read the signs and I'm like, I want to take a chance. I jumped on a local bus and I didn't get lost. And then I made it. So I'm like, okay, I can do this. Uh, so then now we've taken the bus a few times. Uh, but the taxes are so cheap here. Like, you know, you can take a taxi from one end of the city to the other for like three or four US dollars. So, uh, oh the, you know, like the bus that. Wow. Might, might be like, so, you know, why, why take a bus for 50 cents when you could take one for $3 and just uh -huh. take a taxi and get there quicker? Well, so. speaking of that Okay, do not take a taxi in Russia unless you are A, with a native Russian speaker, or B, unless you uh, reserve it ahead of time through a taxi app service, and the only one I trust is Yandex. 
honest, honestly, uh, I, um, uh, I, I, I don't like, like to speak ill of countries, but I have only heard horror stories of people, uh, of, uh, about people who have uh, taken taxis uh, otherwise uh, getting ripped off or, or who knows. Uh, so, but if you do it that way through, uh, through Yandex uh, or if you're with a native speaker, then you're okay. Mm -hmm. Good tips, good tips, Becky. Uh, so, oh, Becky, I'm curious to know about your website. You launched a website called Trekking with Becky. Trekking with Becky. A little yes. bit of a twister. I like the little play on words there. So, tell us about Trekking with Becky. When did you start it? Why did you start it? And what's it all about? Okay, well, I started it back in uh, in 2015, uh, March 2015. Wow, time flies. <laughs> uh, anyway, so I started it because, um, well, well, for a couple of reasons. Uh, I realized that although I cannot uh, travel 24-7, uh, uh, I, I found that when I did travel, there were a lot of things that I always discovered on the journey or, or just in the destinations that I wish I had known before, but for whatever reason did not find online. Um, so I thought this would, this would be a great way to help people. Um, and also not everyone uh, is able to travel uh, for whatever uh, reason. Um, just when you're living in that uh, particular area, for example, when I lived in Japan, going to Thailand or Korea was ridiculously cheap as opposed to say living in Canada. So it also gives people the opportunity to, to travel virtually or vi vicariously. Um, and uh, I just love helping people and I love uh, being able to to, to give people opportunities or, or visions into things that they may not otherwise have. Um, and of course, the travel advice, the tips and tidbits and treasures that I give, uh, I really hope to, uh, uh, to, to make people's uh, trip planning uh, much easier and to make uh, their vacations or trips uh, smoother. Uh, and I, I also hope uh, to, to, uh, to inspire people and to show them that, uh, uh, that it is possible you do not have to be a millionaire to travel, um, and uh, and you do not have to go with someone to travel. You can travel alone. Um, I, I do it. actually come to think of it. Most of my travel is solo. Um, a lot of it because uh, the very few people with whom I would be able to travel on a regular basis without killing um, <laughs> are uh, are unable to travel at the same time uh, uh, because we have uh, you know different schedules etc uh so and you only live once so you need to just go for it yes indeed you only live once and uh, you know um you obviously uh, focus a lot on uh, solo female travel as well uh, which is an up-and-coming uh, industry within the you know the broader scheme of uh, travel uh so tell us about uh, solo female travel uh, in terms of the uniqueness of it the also some of the challenges of it Okay. Uh, well, something I have uh, noticed, uh, especially uh, after having um, uh, traveled a little bit, uh, or not even traveled, but even just going sightseeing uh, here and there for a day with even some male friends, I, I have noticed that, wh that when I am uh, alone, um, that uh, people tend to look at me more. It's not so much that they do anything in particular, but I do get stares um, and I do get, well, not even outright stares like, oh my God, but, um, <laughs> uh, but let's just say polite indirect, like, oh. Oh, like that kind of uh, reaction, uh, and I'm so used to it now. But I have, but uh, sorry, like I started to say earlier, if I'm with any gr grown grown man, 
never, I, um, never get uh, get looks ever. Um, that's just the way it is. Um, so, uh, so I, so I have found though that when uh, that when I am with uh, say a male friend or any grown male, um, I find that I have far uh, far less trouble if I need uh, help or if I have. Uh, uh, trouble or problem or anything, I find that it is less of a problem and I actually get served faster than, a, and I actually get taken more seriously than if I am by myself. Um, uh, unfortunate, it's unfortunate, uh, but unfortunate, but that's just how it is. Uh, I have found that when I am traveling alone, I, I need to be more, uh, more, more assertive than I usually am. I need to uh, be more be more direct. Of course, I'm uh, I'm generally friendly uh, <laughs> anyway, and uh, show people I generally don't bite. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but uh, I I have found that uh, that there really is a difference in the way I get treated and uh, the kind of service I get uh, being uh, being a solo female than if I am with uh, any other grown male. Awesome. Uh, some great insights there. So uh, what tips would you give to someone who's maybe thinking of doing some solo female travel, but they have some fears? I think that's quite common with travelers generally, but I would assume uh, it's even more stronger uh, from a female because of safety, security issues. So tell us about any tips you would give to a fellow female. Okay, well, first of all, go for it. Do not let, <laughs> absolutely go for it. Absolutely do not let uh, fear or anything stop you from doing it. Um, uh, what I gen what I do uh, is, is that whenever I am out, it doesn't matter where I am, um, but especially even more so in a country where I do not speak the language. I do not uh, wander around or go sightseeing or anything like that unless I am absolutely hyper alert. Um, uh, when I start feeling uh, sleepy or woozy, I'll stop somewhere at a cafe and get a caffeine or sugar pump <laughs> and uh, keep going from there. Because um, I find especially you really do absolutely need to be hyper alert. Um, generally, I'm not a, uh, I'm not a big drinker, but uh, I strongly advise against um, uh, uh, um, partying or anything like that if you're by yourself. I'm not saying you can't have any fun. I'm just saying when you are by yourself and you have absolutely no one to depend on but yourself stay hyper alert stay sober <laughs> of course um yeah that's um if that makes sense um yeah i um uh I, i've been to countries by myself where I, I do not speak the language at all. And I survived, of course, because death is not an option. I have, uh, <laughs> I have far too many things uh, to see and do uh, in life. So survival is the only option. And, uh, and it's amazing what you manage to, uh, uh, what you manage to uh, uh, accomplish uh, on your own. Um, uh, I can't. Uh, um, I, I can't uh, st uh, emphasize enough. Uh, just, uh, just do it, uh, and, uh, and and you will. And you never ever regret going anywhere, even if you happen to have a negative experience or a bad time for any reason. You, uh, I, you never regret actually uh, going anywhere, um, and uh, and you will find that you'll just want to travel more and more and more. <laughs>
tips there back people want to uh, and uh, work over. Oh, I, I, I'm sorry, you're breaking. So, up. so uh, you already uh, now you're teaching this. Uh, where do you see yours and beyond? Uh, I'm so, I'm sorry, you're you're breaking up. It's uh, it's hard for me to catch what you were saying. Oh yes, apologies for the bad internet. I'm here in uh, Medellin and I'm in the condo, and I think our condo doesn't have very strong Wi-Fi. I was oh. doing some speed tests to make sure the audio and video uh, were were good. But, uh, okay. uh, apologies about the Wi-Fi. Oh, it's okay. Sorry. Asking is what is your vision? Yeah. Uh, I was asking, what is your vision going forward? Uh, well, actually, in September, I'm uh, moving back to Canada uh, permanently, uh, and uh, I really, uh, I'm really not sure what the future holds, but I do know that uh, after having lived uh, abroad for over seven years, that I really want to see more of, uh, of Canada and, and what is uh, nearby. Um, I want to continue to hopefully inspire uh, people uh, to, to travel more. Um, and... Uh, uh, even if you can't go far, if you, even if you cannot go overseas, um, there is still uh, there are still countless uh, places and things to see uh, that are just uh, that are just in your backyard um, that uh, that you may have taken for granted or may not even have realized that is there to appreciate. Um, so, uh, but other than that, yeah, I am not 100% sure yet, but I know that I want to continue uh, reaching people and traveling as uh, as much as I can. Well, definitely wish you the best with the reintegration. I know from personal experience, it's very tough after you lived overseas to reintegrate because you have the reverse culture shock and everyone around you has pretty much said the same and you have changed radically from a mental, emotional, spiritual holistic perspective so definitely wish you the best with the reintegration thank you any advice <laughs> yeah the advice would be this uh, you know I've done it a few times already I um, you know after my Europe uh, trip and after my Asia trip after my Australia trip I had to reintegrate three times uh, so after the three integrations um, I got used to facing a little bit of depression and a little bit of uh, the blues um, so I would say definitely um, Try to stay connected with the global community through things like meetups, uh, through things like uh, expat communities, uh, through things like couchsurfing, through things like uh, there's a great organization called Internations. Um, Internations is actually one of my favorite ones of, as of recent. Um, it's basically expats who live in a country like, uh, for example, in Canada, there'll be an Internations Vancouver, Internations Toronto, and also Internations in Montreal or Quebec, Ottawa, in or most of the major cities. And uh, they're basically foreigners from around the world who are living in Canada, and you can actually connect with them and meet other foreigners. And obviously, because you're you have the Japanese and Russian background, maybe join some local meetups or uh, community centers or you know the festivals. And I think stay connected to those cultures. I think is really good. Um, you know, when I left Japan and went back to um, you know Canada, or when I left Europe or Australia, I tried to stay connected. So I uh, obviously connected online, but that's not the same as actually being connected to other foreigners uh, who are living in your city uh, offline too. So those are my little tip, tips and tidbits. Okay. Oh, thank you very much. I'll definitely keep that in mind.
Yeah, yeah, and I, I know for sure uh, those those times when you feel down are hard uh, because I went through those difficult times, and it's very important to stay positive and stay focused on the vision. That's why I asked you about your vision. If you have a vision to uh, go overseas again, I think that will propel you forward in terms of, uh, uh, you know, staying focused on the goal. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So to end off, Becky, uh, how can people connect with you? They might have some questions about teaching in Japan, teaching in Russia, solo female travel, travel blogging, etc. How can they connect with you? Uh, well, of course, through my website, uh, trekkingwithbecky.com. Um, uh, I'm on Facebook also at Trekking with Becky. Um, I, uh, I have uh, several posts about uh, about various aspects about living in Japan and uh, living in Russia. Uh, I actually, uh, my um, uh, my latest post, which is going live in a few hours, actually, is about uh, a typical Japanese apartment, my Japanese apartment, actually. I have also written posts about uh, how much groceries will cost you in Japan, both imported and domestic, how much utilities and taxes will cost you. Uh, so uh, actually, I'm sure that I could actually answer a lot of your questions even through my posts. But of course, if there isn't a subject uh, that hasn't been covered, give me a shout. <laughs> Well, thank you again for your time, Becky. It was uh, very enlightening to hear about your experiences in Japan, Russia, and beyond. So thanks very much. Thank you so much for having me. And thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, thanks for giving us your ears or your eyes. Uh, if you're listening or watching this on YouTube or iTunes, uh, we appreciate your time. And uh, we hope that, uh, you know, all these episodes are valuable to you. And then that will, the, these episodes will inspire you to leave the couch behind, to leave your home city behind, and to travel the world. And we're actually quite active on Facebook. So if you join our community, that's a great way to engage and connect and ask questions. We're called the Digital Nomad Mastery Community on Facebook and uh, you know make sure you connect with us all over the web Digital Nomad Mastery including our website digitalnomadmastery.com uh, so thanks everyone for tuning into this episode live with Becky uh, who's over there in Moscow Russia I'm here in Medellin Colombia so we're tuning out uh, you know happy travels everyone no matter where you're in the world uh, we will catch up with you soon okay thank you bye bye